Welcome back. Hey, big shout out to those of you who have left a rating and or review on the App Store. Again, that helps us get noticed by Apple, which can help us get featured by Apple, which of course can help us then grow our BrainHeart family. This week on the show, we have Emmy Award winning choreographer Catherine Burns. She's so much fun and has such a great sense of humor, and her body of work is growing like crazy. Currently, she's the choreographer for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the hit show on CW, but she's also done a lot of work with Comedy Central, Two Broke Girls, Children's Hospital, and a lot of other really cool shows like Wet Hot American Summer. She's also worked with musicians like Pharrell Williams and Carly Rae Jepsen and has so many fun stories to tell. All right, I'm going to let her do the talking now. So without further ado, here's the show. So Catherine Burns, thank you so much for taking the time to join me this week. I'm super excited to chat with you. Me too. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Well, you've had a lot going on this week, so I think we're just going to jump into present day Catherine Burns life and then uh, we will jump into the past after that. So not super chronological, but I think it works. Well, present day, you mean just after buying cat litter and red wine? Absolutely. <laughs> that's like that's like as up as up to date breaking Catherine Burns real life fact as you're going to get. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> that's fabulous well um we were actually scheduled to record the other day but then it turns out the day after we were scheduled to record you had a big event so i'm glad we got rescheduled can you talk Me a little too. bit about um the tv academy celebration of the new peer group you're helping to form yeah so it was called whose dance is it anyways and mandy moore put it together and her and i are the new governors hello oh, governor the new eh? peer group yeah we're the new governors uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be able to stop saying that at every single board meeting we ever go to. But for the first time ever, I mean, they're going to have to deal with it. They they hired two really, like, fun young skunks, you know, to join the fold. That's right. <laughs> That's really uh, cool. So what is the peer yeah, group going really to cool. do for those of us who are not immersed in your world? How is this going to kind of move things forward for choreographers? Um, you know, this is the first time in the history of the Television Academy that there's been a peer group specifically for choreographers. And dance is such an integral really? part of so many different productions. Yeah, first time ever. We were underneath the director's peer group, so all the decisions made on our behalf as far as, like, awards and recognition and just, and you know, just having a voice. Choreographers aren't unionized either, and so okay. we don't really have opportunity. I mean, let me rephrase that. For TV and film and tours and work with okay. artists and music videos. Anything that's a visual format that involves choreography um, is not unionized. There's a there's a union for Broadway choreographers, which also covers Las Vegas productions. Gotcha. That's the SDC, the Stage Directors and Choreographers Guild, and they're actually really nicely protected. Um, but with choreographers on set, you know, we're not union. We don't get a health pension. We don't own no. our work. So we'll struggle. So a lot of times, you know, our voices aren't heard. So the, the television academies invited us and, respects us to make decisions on our own behalf versus, you know, directors or people that really don't fully understand what we do because, you know, I don't really understand what like the lighting designer does or like a grip does. And it's sure. not really my place to, to speak on their behalf. So, so it's exciting, but the night itself, that, that sound, that sounded all professional and stuff, but the night, <laughs> the, the, the celebration, the performance was so rad. Um, it was it was choreographers from all different types of TV, so not just Dancing with the Stars. I mean, Derek Huff was there and Travis Wall, and and then you had Twitch and Fatima, who works with a bunch of artists and um, you know done commercials forever, and and then you, Kenny Ortega and I talked about the process of like directors and choreographers for TV, and then I got to do you know my comedy Crazy Ex Girlfriend stuff, and then Rich and That's Tone great. were there and talked about the history of hip hop. Mandy Moore did like an opening thing, but it was a, a night celebrating choreographers. And then Anthony Margerato, who did tap. Um, Chris Scott did a whole thing about like improvisation and like, you know, how, where you can draw inspiration from. Like, I think they like took a word from the audience and made up a dance about a cucumber or something like that was the word they gave. <laughs> um, you know, it was really cool. And then um, 
I think that was more or less it. I feel like I'm sh- I'm sure I'm missing someone, but um, it was just a really cool night celebrating a lot of different choreographers, and they got to, you know, talk about their process. And I'm just really excited to come together. And you know, like winning the Emmy this year was really nutty because with comedy it was the first time that someone that choreographs comedic episodic TV one so for cool. com- one for choreography. Normally it's like live television stuff where, you know, you create this amazing dance and, and then they figure out how to capture it most beautifully. And the limitations are kind of, you know, the creativity of what the choreographer can do. But um, with me, I'm, I'm given like 10 seconds at a time to make a dance or I have 10 minutes of rehearsal with our lead or, wow. you know, or all the dancing gets cut for the close up. So <laughs> choreographing for episodic TV is a much different challenge. Yeah, like no a reality Let's show. actually dive into that a little bit, if, that, if that's all right with you. Sure. One thing that, I mean, I don't know you personally, but following your work, and I'm a huge fan of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, um, I Yay. love that you don't, uh, it seems like you don't take yourself too seriously and you're okay with also doing that. That kind of comes through in the choreography a little bit, which I think is fabulous. Sometimes some of us on the outside, I think, have a little bit of a misconception that anything that's related to choreography and dance is so serious. And, you know, right. we, we see these dramatic, you know, dramatic live TV episodes like dancing with the stars and everything's so serious and, you know, you're being judged on everything, but it seems like you are not afraid to have fun with it. And I love it. So if you want to dive into talking a little bit more about your day to day and just your personal uh, philosophy of dance when it comes to comedy, I would love to hear about it. Yeah, awesome. I mean, I don't know. Oh, man, a philosophy. I don't know. I actually like wrote I, I wrote a letter about an old teacher, um, my own my high school teacher the other day. And I think one thing that like I picked up on, you know, from an earlier age, as far as like art education is concerned, like I didn't go to one of those like Juilliard things, you know, sure. like those really arts heavy schools that or even like growing, I wasn't a competition kid growing up, like all those dancing with the stars. And so you think people came from a strict, strict competition world which is really amazing and has merit and everything. Sure. But I went to college to be a nurse and like whenever really? I, whenever, yeah, whenever it came to like anything artistic, it was very playful to me. I didn't really, and even like my first job as a dancer, play was really important. I mean, yeah, you're doing the work and it's a creative, playful, fun, open environment. I never really had like the fear of God type training that a lot sure. of, a lot of strict disciplines have. So you know, then moving to LA and I was working as an editor and I was doing other things when I started training at UCB and, and realized, you know, how much I love, I've always loved comedy and I've, I've loved musicals. And to me, like what you see on the frame and what, what a musical can encapsulate is like an escape and it should feel fun and playful. And it, we get to do something that, you know, normally on a daily basis, you don't get to go down the grocery store dancing. I mean, we all kind of secretly want to, like a little bit within, you know, you want to like bust out, but you know, people are watching you. (laughs) So I really like being able to work with non-dancers and with people that just kind of move in a unique way, you know, like actors will, will, will take some movement and make it feel um, authentic to their story first versus like the most perfect lines. And so I don't know with, with me and dance and not coming from that strict, strict background, I think, um, I think there's something more interesting in being pedestrian. And so I think, and then to get on the way I like to operate is to get that out of people is to make them feel safe, you know, and not just, yeah, there really is no wrong way of interpreting movement. I mean, there obviously is (laughs) when I like get to like cleaning and things. (laughs) That's a process for non-dancers. So you'll teach a routine you know, just to learn the steps, it's like this. And then if you have 10 people and there needs to be clean lines, you go through, you'll do another thing while you're cleaning it. And so you'll say, okay, on count three, we're looking to this top diagonal. Don't look down to your right. Or, you know, your fingers should be a blade, not a jazz hand, you know, that kind Hmm. of thing. So you go back, you go back through after you teach the choreography and clean it, meaning you tell them exactly how to do it and where to place where it belongs. And then it becomes more of like a right or wrong thing. But even still, I mean, yeah, I I mean, I don't think it should, you know, we get to create so much joy and we just cry and we're not, you know, we're not, we're helping people, but we're not doctors, you know, no one's going to like <laughs> die if we, but that being said though, yes. obviously you have to, you can really injure yourself. So you have to be serious about it and sure. all that. People can't die. People have died from dance. <laughs> oh dear. 
<laughs> I don't want to say it's not, you know what I mean? I, yeah, I would imagine you have to work with a lot of people who do feel really intimidated and they've never danced before. Personally, I'm not a dancer. The most exposure I've ever had to choreography, if you can even call it choreography, is four years of martial arts, which it's very rigid and oh, strict. Yeah. That's so, totally choreography. Spike so, choreography is just different. <laughs> I guess it works, but... Um, people I imagine all the time are, if, you know, when they walk into a room with you, they're like, Oh, I got to learn something I've never done before. I feel really, I feel put on display and it sounds like you do a really fantastic job of just putting them at ease. And I think that playfulness probably really helps. I would imagine at least. Um, and one thing that I find really fascinating about, um, choreographers whom I, I have heard talk about their craft is the mm -hmm. way that you use your words. Um, seems so important because you have to really other people's bodies are your canvas, if you will, it seems. Whereas most artists, you know, we have uh, pen and paper or paints and we are controlling the canvas and everything about it. But you create art that has to be portrayed by other people. And so it seems like your words, like you were just you were just describing your hand is a blade and not this um, plays such a huge role in that. Do you ever struggle to find the right words to describe what you're going for? Oh, that's so funny. I, I've never really thought of it that way, but um, because I don't think choreographers would say that we're good with words. Like in general, this at the, okay. at the Television Academy event last night, we were all like, oh, we have to speak. We're so not used to it. But, but the other <laughs> thing is if, if you, and I kind of did it as a bit once where, I mean, it was true, but, but choreographers can communicate with dancers non-verbally. And, you know, obviously you show yeah. something and you see it, but talking about choreography is really difficult. There's really, huh. I can have meeting and meeting and meeting upon what I think the choreography will be. Sure. But until people actually see it, it's, it's impossible, nearly impossible to talk about or, or give notes on, which makes, you know, working on television that interesting. Um, but uh, also because people don't know how to communicate about it. They don't sure. know how to say like that third step in the one thing. So unless you are from a dance background, it's you can talk about it but even at that same point dancers um so it's a bit I was in the room with the dancers and I purposely never finished any sentence and I was like it's like a, the first is a here and like you're but need like an uh and then but hit it and then let it go and then I don't know it just I just you know and they're like oh everyone got it like I'm not exaggerating wow so, and there's um when you're in a room with and if you ever watch a choreographer speak or have lunch or do anything you notice that they're moving so much with their hands and it looks like they're having a mental breakdown probably to like a stranger <laughs> or having like a, you know, episode because um, I've, I've realized recently just by, you know, getting to work with all these choreographers this year about, you know, with the Emmy nomination. And then with this, I, I haven't really been in a room with so many choreographers at one time. And, and we're typically sure. like the only person on a set. There's not a ton of choreographers normally. Yeah. I mean, dancing with a star and that is all kind of different, but that hasn't been my experience. So just watching, like I went to once with Mandy Moore, you know, who did La La Land and stuff and the governor. So we, I was laughing because her and I, I was like, we just look so weird because all of our, ha our hands are doing these like painting rainbows in the sky and we're like reaching and grabbing and going around our head and like not even thinking twice about it. And seeing us both do it at the same time was such a trip. So yeah. So a lot of the communication is nonverbal and, um, it's really sound related. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that works. Like, you know, there's a lot of like grunts or like a, like choreographers sometimes don't do counts, like a boom, patch, da, 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 da. And these people are like, da, 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 versus a, da, 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 da. And then everyone's like, oh yeah, got it. Like there's just, there's just ways that people communicate. That's and, fascinating. That's yeah. And, on, and yeah. on the other side, dancers have to be quiet. Like you can go into a dance rehearsal and their job is to be quiet for hours. <laughs> Oh, which wow. is really hard for actors to do yes that makes perfect <laughs> sense yeah I remember even in in uh, taekwondo when I was in the martial arts there was a lot of that the pow pow in, in you know they would be yeah. slapping their leg in a certain place to help you understand how your movement should work and it, it makes perfect sense yeah that's cool I mean I and it. I do think that good choreographers especially for like in a more collaborative process because it takes all types right there's, there's a choreographer that can teach a really amazing class but then to take someone that, you know, is used to movement and, and put them in an environment where they have to collaborate with a lot of wordsmiths, you know, sure. and a lot of people that aren't comfortable communicating non-verbally, it becomes a, like the good, the, the best choreographers are also great communicators. So it's finding a mix between those. <laughs> that, hey, that that's really cool. Which one do you feel is your uh, your strength personally? 
Oh, I'm more of a communicator. I mean, because I came, I, I ended up getting my um, degree in communication with a film emphasis and theater minor. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah. So, so you know, like I understand film production. Like, like I said, I was an editor. So, sure. I understand the process of TV. I could have, I kind of understood that first before, before I was working as a dancer a lot. You know, I mean, sure. I was obviously that kid that. I was that kid that ever since I was born, I was moving and making it move and <laughs> making my friends do recitals with me and making my family sit, watch me while I do yes. mini mouse recites in the living room, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I was a child of the eighties, clearly, but like, uh, you know, so for me it was, yeah. I mean, I went to college for something totally different. So, hey, that so for me, that, that makes me be able to understand a room full of people in a meeting type setting, maybe a little bit more than someone that's just been stuck in a dance studio. Sure. Their whole life. I think that's great. And I think that's a good segue kind of into your background. Um, I would love to hear, I mean, you were born and then what, <laughs> you know, how, how do you feel that <laughs> music influenced your childhood? <laughs> what inspired you? Cause it sounds like you didn't necessarily choose this path early on or even in college, obviously. Um, so I would love to kind of hear about your journey, uh, and, you know, how did your love for music and playfulness and choreography develop? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I honestly know for a fact that, like, I was always dancing, like, from a, from a kid. My sister is 10 years older. I'm the youngest of four. And so nice. my, my closest brother is five years older, and my other brother is eight, and my sister's 10. And I say that because I was always, like, just, I was just off of whatever they were doing. You know, like when they were going to see rated R movies, I couldn't go. And then when they all went to college, I couldn't drink. And then when I could drink, they were tired and married and having babies and didn't want Naturally. to hang out, you know. So I was always just like trying to get them to pay attention to me, you know. Yes. <laughs> so I think a lot of my performance stuff came from that, you know, being like, guys, guys. And, um, and you know, my, my, my mom, my mom and dad, you know, aren't in the arts, but, but my dad, one, one summer, I think, I think I was like in middle school or younger. We we watched Shirley Temple and I was like, that's so great. And then we went to a blockbuster and rented a new musical every single day. Um, but you know, it. he's a banker and sports guy and loves biking and, but also like has a weakness for Andre Bocelli. <laughs> so he's in, you know, he loves elevator music and jazz music. So he's not your typical macho male, but that's he is, great. but he isn't. I mean, so, so yeah, so we would watch musicals and, my mom was really playful and, and she admits now that she used to want to be an actress, but, um, you know, started having kids at like 1920. So, um, wow, young, so yeah, young. but I mean, I always, I was always making up dances and my sister was a dancer. And so I looked up to her and made her teach me things. And then, um, yeah, like literally I have pictures of me putting on shows for my siblings when they came home from camp. I love They're it. Like when they came home from camp, I was on a welcome home show. <laughs> Yes, and that I'm is like just free. what they wanted. And, yeah, and that luckily that was before the internet. They couldn't be on their phones, but they were like passed out on the couch watching me. They had no, <laughs> they had no other entertainment, so they had to watch a little sister act a fool. And I took it very seriously. But um, but yeah. So my mom, my mom said that um, when I started, I guess I started my first first dance classes when I was like five, and it was ballet. And so I started taking, you know, training at five. And then never nice. stopped really, but my mom said that. Was, so my 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 grandparents lived in the hill country of Austin, and that's where we went to camp every summer at a place called Camp Champions. And I would uh, bring my leotard and tights in case I needed to put on a show for anybody. Fabulous. But like I, always prepared. My idea? Like no, that was your idea to bring your ballet outfit, and I was like, <laughs> oh goodness. But I guess the reason why I never really considered it was because um, I was also that kid that was like overly eager and involved in everything student curricular involved you okay, know what I mean sure there's a lot of dancers that just did dancing and they didn't do anything else or or any, or any masters at their craft right or olympian types like all sure. they swim all in and but for me I was doing everything that anyone thought was worthy and because I was the youngest I kind of did whatever I was supposed to do I was like a really good kid rule follower type sure so I did soccer and I did choir and I did I did everything. And I might, I, if I had an hour to fill, I would find something to fill it with. I wasn't just like singularly focused on dance. Um, which is why when it became like, what do you want to do with your life? That kind of, kind of, that kind of became daunting. Cause I was like, I don't want to just do one thing forever. That scares me. <laughs> what if I don't like it? No, it's like a really scary thing. That no yes, one really I, I completely agree with you. No. And so, 
when you follow rules the whole, your whole life, like what I really wanted to do, someone's like, what's your dream job? I was like, well, to choreograph for TV and film, but I have no idea how to do that. There's no, there's no clear path to follow. So I just did whatever else I was supposed to do to make sure. money and whatever, whatever proximity of people I was with thought was competitive. That's kind of what I did. <laughs> nice. Like, I, I find this so interesting because so many people I think are at that stage that you just described where, you know, maybe they got their degree already, but they're, they've determined that they don't really like what they got their degree in. And now that they're in the real world, they have no idea what they want to do. They might have a, a, you know, a dream job idea, but how do you even get there? So I think that's very, very relatable for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for me, for me, I mean, I have pivotal moments that got me to where I am professionally. Um, and, and to be very, very honest, like all I ever thought I wanted was to be like, married with kids. Like I remember my sure. high school, like counselor was like, and I think that's a lot of women are taught that like, you, you, I don't know, like that's the true success kind of thing. Sure, and, sure. Well, not, I don't know. Anyway, so I was like married with kids. Other than that, I don't know. But I'm, I'm doing what I always have been meant to do. It just took me some time to come back around to it. But once it clicked, it totally worked. And for me, it was finding comedy and finding my UCB family because I was doing improv and I would choreograph all these sketches for, you know, my friends in my life, in the live theater. And, and I, I actually remember before that, though, in college, my sorority would do like um, these like big fundraiser things called Greek Week or Rams. And we would spend like 100 hours perfecting a three minute dance. Wow. And I remember one of the girls was like, we were doing, um, yeah, rocking against multiple sclerosis. I was doing a Janet Jackson lip sync battle, and wow. I choreographed with this girl Haley Stone, and we did. You know, we got really into it, and one of my shorty sisters was like, "You're really good at this. You should do this for a living." I was like, "What choreograph? Choreograph for artists? How do you how do you do that? Like you can't, <laughs> you know, that doesn't make any sense." Because even to be honest, the education for dance in a collegiate level is um, it leads you to modern dancing. So if you go gotcha. get a degree in college for dancing. You'll, after spending all this money to get a degree in dance, you can really maybe make a thousand dollars a week if you're lucky, but reality probably three or four hundred dollars in a touring, wow. really, really competitive modern dance company. And if you get a, a degree in choreography, it's for live theater, right? So it's for sure. a modern dance kind of situation. That's where most of the college kids quickest, I, mean, I say that just because that's, that's the most obvious, common, quick route from college and that's what they mostly teach you um because the rest of it getting into commercial and tv and film is like not as they don't there's you would think it would be more of like a class you could take or a degree that's specific for that but right now the dance education is for modern mostly there's there's just not a lot of training you kind of have to forge your own path it sounds yeah yeah totally and so for me my for me my path was you know comedy so it's interesting that the comedy training educated my choreography and that's how I met Rachel Bloom from crazy X. And I mean, there's lots of other things between college and UCB and all that, but, but beyond, um, beyond my point of being like, you know, married with kids and being the youngest and stuff. What for me as a person, I feel like was the biggest hurdle was listening and trusting my own instincts. Cause Mm -hmm. I was either in a serious relationship and taking care of that person and trying to make sure that their needs were met and all that stuff. Sure. And then when that ended and I was like properly alone for the first time in my life, like maybe my late twenties or something, like when I was like, okay, wait, there's no one telling me what to do. There's no one I have to please. What do I want to do? What do I need from people? Uh, what do you, and like, and I was lucky and excited to have a variety of friendships and relationships and work relationships. And like, this sounds really weird, but to like get support and love from the people I'm experiencing life with versus one person so that that to me was groundbreaking in a a life kind of way which which led to obviously more work opportunities because I was opening myself up um and trying to be like authentically myself whatever that meant (laughs) I love that that's that's really really interesting I think a lot of women do fall into that trap where um you know we're told that we're supposed to find our soulmate and when we find our soulmate then we'll be set for life and we'll be happy for life and we don't have to worry about figuring out what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to create in this world and then when that if that relationship is taken away then we do 
wonder, oh, wait, what what am I supposed to be doing? So that's, that's super interesting. And I think it is nice to have sort of a, a net of friends. And that makes total sense um, to get that love and support from the people that you are doing life with. That that's it's I think it's healthy, right? No, totally. And I, and I also think it's important though, not to lose that even when you do find, Absolutely. you know, a proper, a proper partner. Preach girl. Yeah. But, it's, but it's hard. I mean, like, I mean, you even see from our parents and older people, their, their circles get smaller and smaller and smaller as we get older, you know, and it's true. how do you, how do you, cause working on relationships is, is a lot of work. It is. It's no <laughs> and joke. once, you know, you get into that family mode and stuff, people end up sacrificing what they need um emotionally maybe or or creatively to like what the dire need of the day is you know sure oh i don't have time to connect with these people because this and this and this and then years and years of that same thing and 20 years later you find that you you feel really alone because you yeah. don't have time for anything else i mean that's way too deep and not what this podcast is about but no, hey, hey i love <laughs> it no it's not it's part of the journey i guess girl <laughs> it's real life i love it it's fantastic and it's a great point and I, it doesn't matter what line of work you're in or what kind of an artist you are having that life balance and understanding how yeah. to live life in a healthy way is absolutely crucial so hey it's not out of bounds for sure right i love okay, it this is life lessons with Catherine burns Life lessons from the girl who buys cat litter. Oh, oh gosh, <laughs> I'd be um, all giggling. Hey, that's fan- that's what we need. That we need more comedy in our lives. <laughs> um, I have a couple of questions about just your day to day creative process, if that's all right. Um, sure. One of them, actually, my sister um, was talking to me about choreography and inspired several of these, but. Um, what is something that you do that you know will jumpstart your inspiration? If maybe you're struggling a little bit on a piece, um, it, do, well, maybe you don't ever struggle. Maybe it's just, it comes easily to you, but is there ever something that you fall back on to kind of help jumpstart that inspiration? Um, I totally do struggle sometimes. Not in, in the, the thing that I find most daunting not, when there's a script for comedy, typically it's, um, I ask a lot of questions and I find out what my limitations are and those indicate what the movement can be. So who's dancing? how many people, what's the style, what's the genre, do they have any references? So for like where the King Peel, the 80s aerobics meltdown sketch, it was making fun of, and a lot of, as a lot of comedy does, is a very specific reference. It was the Crystal Light Aerobics Championship. (laughs) So yeah, so I look at that and I find what the most funny is. And, and figure how, what, what are those moves can our actors teach and what parts will go with what part of the song? Like, how can I heighten the movement? And then it becomes more of a puzzle piece and it's more of a mental, more of a mental um, figuring out, so to speak, right? Sure. And finding what like naturally makes. So that, that's, I don't want to say it's easy, but, but for me, knowing when to stop when something makes me laugh because it's so appropriately that genre is really <laughs> obvious and easy. Right. So yes. like, Oh, that's so gross. Oh, that's funny. That's what it is. You know? <laughs> but, um, when I choreographed with Carly Rae Jepsen, she hadn't danced. She doesn't like dancing really. I mean, she likes it, but like, I, she's like fearful of it a little bit. Sure. Um, because she's, she loves the, she loves her lyrics. She loves, she loves the true form of singing. Right. So yeah, she's a pop star and stuff, but to her, it goes way deeper than that. Like she's, yeah. She really wants to say something with what she's doing. And sometimes movement can feel, in my opinion, kind of frivolous. You know what I mean? Like, sure, it's like, yeah. why are they, why are they just moving around for a lot? So, so for me, I was really nervous. Um, we had a reference, like we, we, we had like so something like that, right. For an artist, when their image is so tied into the whole package, what they're wearing, who they hire, what it's, it's a lot. And, yeah. um, and a lot of people have opinions on it. It's a big team and, and, and in essence, it comes down to what's cool. But, but like, what does that mean? So that to me is the scariest, <laughs> is what's cool. Because yes. I'm like, there's, to me, cool is being authentic and being comfortable and trying to do something different. But how is it different? Or if it's throwbacky, is it cool because it's throwbacky? So we were kind of doing like this 80s vibe. And when I have, like, and it was for her live shows, and there was like six or seven songs. And I was like, stunted at times. It's really hard. Sure. You know, it's hard when you just can kind of do whatever you want as long as it feels cool. I um, can imagine. Yeah. And I mean, did you have, or were you really answering to anyone or as a choreographer, do people just tend to trust you? Like, well, you know what's best. So we're just going to follow, follow you on this. Or well, do you... You, have, you have to do it by yourself first. You have to be in the studio by yourself first. Okay. Before you can 
like you have a hundred pages, like what are those, what does that look like? What is, what is, what happens? So once you have the conversation, it's up to you to just interpret the music. Um, yeah, you just, you in the studio. And sometimes I can have these like blocks where I'm like, oh, so some, so for me, yeah. um, this actually came from like, before I was choreographing more professionally and was antsy, I would like film myself just freestyling in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, most of it involved like probably a bottle of wine before that. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. But um but yeah, so so letting the music indicate the movement. So for sure. me for me that's the biggest part is like what is the music telling me to do? And so I'll I'll either sit and if I'm feeling super anxious, I'll start doing tally marks of when huh. the music changes. Like I know it's like if it's like a pop song, right? It's like first chorus chorus pre you know whatever that is that whatever that pop formula is sure what is it first chorus bridge something first, first chorus bridge <laughs> yeah there's, there's a formula to it right yes. but same but sometimes like the music like, boom, and it's like a very obvious accent totally so i'll kind of do tally marks of and then break it down to like okay i have five eight counts i can do five eight counts if like the whole song feels overwhelming sure and so they would have used five eight counts and then once i get so that's if I'm really, really trapped and like, and I've done the freestyle thing and I feel like I'm a hack, which like before every job, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, yeah, Imposter I'm syndrome. Like, oh, yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> and then once I get up and moving, I'm okay. I love Those it. Those tally marks. <laughs> <laughs> Those tally marks do it every time. They're your secret they sauce. Help. No, that's they really help. cool. And I mean, let's talk about imposter syndrome for a second, since you just brought that up. Um, you I mean, saying I think... it's a real thing makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a name for it. Yes, exactly. I think, well, I, I mean, I've talked to a lot of professional women specifically, um, men too, but uh, it's something I think that women overwhelmingly struggle with more often than not um, is the imposter syndrome and feeling like I am a hack. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in over my head. I can't, I can't perform this. Um, how has that affected you personally? I mean, especially now, cause I mean, now you've got an Emmy and can you talk a little bit about, I think it just makes people feel better to know that even, uh, individuals like yourself who are experiencing definitely some success also struggle with that imposter syndrome. Yeah. So I, most specifically was this big Emmy event last night. Right. So like I was standing there practicing this curtain call with Derek Huff and Travis Wall and Mandy Moore and Rich and Tone, who's like dancer Michael Jackson, and, and I've auditioned for Fatima, and all these people Ooh. that like I've seen all their work, and I was like, oh my god, okay, all right. And then as and I just I um and you know I know I was invited to do it, right? I didn't force myself into this sure. lineup. They asked me, and they said they think I'm funny or whatever, and they want me to talk about my process because that's an, that's interesting and worth something. So I had to trust that someone invited me to the table. And that they see something, even if I don't, they're like, we think you're great. I'm like, really? Okay, Sweet. here it is, you know. And then, so on top of all that, it's this beautiful 500-seat theater, brand new red curtains, two ginormous two-foot-tall Emmy statues on either side. Wow, intimidating. And um, you've seen, yeah, you've seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. You know, it's very smart, but it's yes. very silly and playful. I mean, they're saying smart things, and it's real-life issues, but, you know, there's a lot of boob jokes. There's a lot of sex jokes, like, it's real life. It's like the ugly, gritty real life. But that's <laughs> the pieces I did were um, the opening theme song where she blams her, where she ends up, ends it going blam, you know, with her face through a piece exactly, of paper. Yes. And then um, a power, the power apo- apology, eighties ballad. Um, you go first, which is like, you know, passive aggressive women apologizing. And so that's what I was doing. And, and I was having the actors be it. And I'd choreographed for these actors. And it's not this like super fancy show offy dance stuff. It's sure. to help heighten the story. And so I decided I'd be funny if at the end of it, I thought it'd be really funny. Because, you know, in the, so in the theme song, for those of, the, those of y'all that don't know the show, it's like an old 1940s showgirl moment. And like, you know how they like, all these hearts come together to form a face. And then all of a sudden you see a face through a piece of paper, yes. but you thought you didn't see the piece of paper coming. So it was kind of how they did all those like Buzzy Berkeley-ish type numbers. Absolutely. So I wanted to do that live, but I thought it was just a funny button. But I was like, well, how do I give like the actors a curtain call without being big, big and grand about it? 
And I was like, what if they busted through one of those like football pieces of paper that like, you know, football teams do when they like come yes. onto a field, you know? Exactly. And what if it said, I hate sports. And then they just, I was like, well, I don't know if that'll make sense. <laughs> so it might be too like off. I wanted them to just like bless through like I hate sports but I was like okay that's a little too strange and then I was like well what well what if I drew like six figure drawings of the actors with their with their character names on it and they blammed through the six figure drawn face and it's their real person face on a six figure body I was like oh that's really funny that's hysterical but then and keep in mind they're, they're doing this um cool documentary about choreographers too and i'm and i'm one of the um i don't want to like say who it is as a as, you know for sure. like spoiler alerty things but so meanwhile there was this documentary film crew following me as i'm getting on my hands and knees drawing stick figures i love it at the academy and i was like hold on <laughs> hold on hold on what what are you doing what are you hold on this is what you, oh. and i yes. felt like a five-year-old that had just od'd on too much fun dip and was like <laughs> running around my parents living room and That's I was fabulous. like, okay, okay, this is it. either going to be really genius or really embarrassing. I mean, but I was like, it might be so simple. It's so bad. It's genius. Like it's so simple and elementary compared to this grand, beautiful stage that it'll be amazing. Oh my God. I, I was like, oh my God, I don't know. I was like fully panic, panic attacking. <laughs> How did it go? I think it went great. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm being... It was like uproarious applause afterwards, which well, that's was great. Good. That's a good sign, right? So, and then I just finished it by, and I just wanted to be authentically myself, right? Which is hard to do in that kind of setting when I'm wearing a tux kind of outfit and I'm trying to be all fancy totally. to talk about, you know, I'm like, okay, well, this is what I do. So I finished it. They did the blam. And then I come on stage and wave and I go, thanks, bye. <laughs> was, thanks, bye. I love it. Thanks, bye, which is like appropriate to the show and appropriate <laughs> to me. And yes, so that's what I did. I love so, it. Either I'm the most annoying person in the world or they loved it. <laughs> they, they totally loved it. I think you're filling a gap. I really feel like you're, you're meeting a need that hasn't really been met. Again, I mean, going back to what we started talking about, I think it's good when, when you're not afraid to have some fun and you're not, you don't take yourself too seriously. And I think so many people think that's what dance does. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, listen, I mean, I, I feel lucky that like I have had those experiences. Like one of my first jobs was this, that this dance job called the Top Hats. Um, Dan Mahika, our choreographer, bless his heart, passed away. But he always was like, after the work was done, he was like, go have fun, guys. Go have fun. And even though it was like a live taping thing and lots of pressure. and Sure. You know, he was always like, have fun. And then I take it, I've kind of aligned myself and taken class and become a part of this community called the Sweat Spot in Silver Lake, which is Ryan Heffington's studio. And okay. it's a bunch of like East, East LA hipstery types you know, all religious preferences and sexual preferences, and most of them aren't dancers. They just love it. So there's this there's this community of dancers that aren't dancers. They're lawyers, they're chiropractors, they're club nice. promoters, you know, but everyone comes, but they've gotten really good over the years because they regularly, you know, later in life wanted to reconnect to dancing or dance for the first time in their life. Totally. And like, you, you know that scene from um, Center Stage where they go to, a, like the ballet people go to a jazz class? Yes. And they're, and they're like, the second class starts, everyone starts applauding. They're like, woo, let's dance. You know what I mean? It feels <laughs> yes. like that. That's awesome. in LA. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So, I love it. I kind of, I mean, LA, people say LA can be like really, and obviously like any, any place you can kind of choose your own adventure, but kind of gets a bad rap at times. But I've been lucky and have aligned myself with a great comedy community and a great dance community that open and supportive and at the end of it they like to just you know have fun that's fantastic i love and it and of course be good you want to be good of you don't course, want to be that's jerk. right gotta win it You're in <laughs> it to win it um do you find that when you work with people who don't have a dance background that you have to in the beginning at least alter your communication styles for the for the individuals in the room to really help them get where you want them to go or do you just kind of use a universal yeah. language that everybody sort of learns no, I mean, um, even as a dancer, people learn differently, right? So for me, like, um, I have to stay on the right side of the room for some reason. If I stand on the left side of the room, I won't learn the choreography as well. So hmm. I know as a dancer, I stand on the right, and then I won't get, someone can teach me all these steps and eight counts, and I won't remember it until I start hearing how it goes with the music. Sure. And then, And then automatically it's more locked into my head. And I don't, 
have I don't do it full out a lot over and over. I have to really watch the choreographer and see how they're inspired. Probably because I have a more choreographer type mind. Sure. I see how they're inspired by the music and what they're aiming for and like but um and also some some so that's how I learn it's in the music, but some people learn by eight counts. So dancers are like, Okay, it's here on three or it's this on five and then some other dancers like you know, like names for things, you know, like, oh, this is the rubber chicken neck. Or <laughs> but, within, but, but most dancers that have trained their whole lives and are professional know how they need to learn. So they're quicker. You can adjust how you teach. Do you like counts or do you like beats or do you like, you know, that kind of thing? But wow. with an actor, they don't really know. Like, I, I'll, if they're not getting something, I'll communicate. Like, sometimes I'll be like, um, say it's like something like we know, like an electric slide, right? So you'll be like, sure. step behind, step, crap, other way. And then we shimmy back, touch the floor, and up. Like, that's how someone might learn. But sure. someone else will be like, one, two, three, clap, four, back, five, six, seven, and eight, back, two, three, up, four, clap, five, six, seven, and down. Like, what I do that, like, oh, I got it. I need counts. Wow. So, so it's just, it's just like, but it, but it clicks when it clicks kind of thing. Sure. You just throw a bunch, for me, I like, throw a bunch of things at the paint and, and see, see what, what sticks. sticks. Cause yes. I can, yeah. <laughs> That's I really cool. Like, and for me, it's fun to change to like, um, okay. Like, so say like a tap move, right? It's like a flap. You go full lap, full lap. And that's the name of the sound. Huh. One, two, one, two. Or if they're still not getting it, I'll be like, okay, imagine there's a, there's a bug on the floor and you're going to go push, 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 push. Like, and then that, clicks in for them wow you know or like imagine you're drawing imagine you're drawing a rainbow with your hands on the sky and that's how to describe what that open musical theater position thing is you know what i mean that's so, so cool depends. what's your but dance learning like style that. people <laughs> what yeah what how do you learn dance are you an account or imagery type person <laughs> that's so that's fascinating to me Wow, and it probably forces, it probably is constantly forcing you to think differently on behalf of various folks you're working with. But that's that's super super interesting. Um, is yes. listening to music exhausting for you? Because does your brain ever shut down that choreography side? Uh, well, I I mean, um, I'm I'm one of my mu music director friends was like he had to start taking yoga and stuff because what happened listening to music isn't exhausting, but um. Well, a few thoughts when you ask that. Number one, like when I used to go to concerts or something, my like ex used to love concerts and I would always be really bored. And when I would get bored because they weren't doing anything on stage or just standing there and singing, <laughs> I would like, I decided I would start entertaining myself and imagine how I would stage and choreograph it as I was listening to it because nice. I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> but um, once I like, until I shoot something, the song haunts me. So like when I'm sleeping it like, especially if it's a night before a shoot or something oh, no. and especially all these crazy ex earworms, like they're in my conscience constantly yes. until I go to bed and until actually until the job is over. So from when I start choreographing it to when the job's over, it like haunts me at night. So you, have, you just <laughs> have all these horrible stress yoga. dreams. <laughs> what are the stress no, dreams I, normally about? Like just everything goes wrong or you can't figure it out or. Mm -hmm. No, not, not even that. Just like it plays. Like, you oh, know, gotcha. when you're kind of going okay, to, you okay. know how you, you know how when you're going to sleep, like say you fall yes. asleep watching a DVD or something, and then that theme music keeps playing over and yes. over again. That's how it feels oh, when okay. it's on, oh. I'm trying to work on something. That does sound like torture. Um, so I have just a couple more questions for you. Um, one of them being something I actually have been curious about personally. So writers, when they're on the go and they have inspiration, they can obviously whip out a notebook or take out their iPhone and jot down their thoughts musicians of course can do the same thing they can record themselves quickly on the go if they have inspiration on the go but as a choreographer if you're out with friends and you don't necessarily have a studio or you can just quickly set up your iphone and record yourself how do you how do you keep track of inspiration when you're on the go i mean I, it's interesting because i don't i don't find myself to be like an overly intellectual type person or have a good memory sure. but for some reason when i see something that i like like my my memory bank for movement is so vast that i don't even know i'm storing all of it right wow. so like i'll watch something once and then be able to like do it so even like pop and locking i've never taken a pop and lock class 
But when I'm in a room of Poplin lockers and I'm trying to like get like how I think the groove is like, oh, damn girl, that, that, that. I was like, was it? I don't know. I just like saw it once wow. and like kind of remember. I mean, for me, every, not everybody sure. like thinks that way. Sure. But, um, but what a lot of times happens too of, I mean, I actually think of a lot of eight counts while I shower. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I don't know if, if you're a creative bathroom person, but like all my best ideas come to me when I'm in the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because you're just solely focused on a task at hand. It's like very simple. It doesn't happen when I'm in the kitchen or cleaning. It's just when I'm showering or in the bathroom totally. or pooping, you know? Yes. <laughs> Some super interesting but, uh, neuroscience actually came out about that recently where supposedly oh, really? if you're doing something really repetitive and boring that doesn't require any thought, a network in your brain triggers, which is called the default mode network. And supposedly that's where the unicorns and rainbows live. And that's where all, all the creativity comes out, but it requires oh. that you kind of disconnect from everything and do something really rep- repetitive and slow for that to happen, which I think is fascinating. Oh, which totally makes sense about my tally marks. Oh, if I'm just focusing on doing tally marks every eight count, then it's a repetitive motion ah. type thing. That's interesting. They say walking can trigger it, you know, sometimes brushing your teeth, anything that's just super repetitive. So I I found that super interesting. I do that too. Sometimes if like you said, if I get stuck, I'll just, I'll, um, yeah, because right. A lot of ideas come when you're not in front of the studio, in front of the mirror with dancers trying to do something. So yeah, I'll do, I'll go for a walk with the music in my ear and kind of like be a weirdo choreographing dancing. But, um, I actually remember it. I, I don't know. I have a pretty good memory. I think most choreographers can remember without sure. actually doing it. So, you don't have to so, document it. That's really interesting. But otherwise, I just, I'll just film it. If, if I gotcha. want to do something I did in a rehearsal and not forget it, I'll just video it. But a lot of times, too, with, um, it's really, really helpful when you're choreographing on people, when you have bodies to like play with or whatever. So you'll be like, hey, can I just get this out of my head real quick? And so you'll just teach them, and then it's on them to remember it. Nice. Or or sometimes I mean which is which is not which which is one bonus of when you get bigger you do more work whatever and people want to work with you they're more willing to play in the studio but at any level I would say even for other choreographers they're like wanting to choreograph just ask a friend to be a body for you in a studio and try to teach them some moves and see what it looks like because then once you see it versus how you imagine it in your head are two different things. Sure, totally. Do you find that people tend to have a really good memory once they've learned a few moves that you've taught them? No. Like how long <laughs> how long does that memory typically last for people? Oh, it depends. I mean, there's a dancer named Karen who's really amazing who like she assisted me on something very last second because Carly Rae Jepsen was like, we're doing um, a 10-minute version of my two songs tomorrow. And I was like, wait, <gasps> and it's live. And I was like, wait, what? Oh so my goodness! And so I was like, I said yes because I'm a crazy person. <laughs> and I was like, Karen, we have rehearsal, but rehearsal is also going to be me choreographing it. She's like, that's fine. And she's like, you know, dance Lady Gaga, and, and she's just on her own. She's really amazing. And I just did something. I just was like doing something, and I, and she was like, that's cool. I was like, what did I do? And then she did it back. And I was like, wow, wow good. So it depends on the assistance. Some assistants, like I said, you'll do something. And, you know, you don't see yourself do it because you're kind of lost in the moment. And then when she did it back, I was like, oh, that, that did look good. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Nice. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Like, and then she'll teach me sort of. It was this and this. And, oh, okay, okay, great. And then, yeah, because there's, there's different levels of, like, teaching. Um, so once, once, I don't know, I guess it's like if you, it's equivalent to, like, saying a really smart sentence and be like, wait, what did I say? <laughs> and then hearing it back. And then how do you study it to, to verbatim say the sentence again in the future? Totally. No. Hey, that makes yeah. sense. And and I think as a creative person, that's cool that you at least know how your own brain works <laughs> and so that you can yeah. set yourself up for success. That's cool. Um, and just one last question. And this is going to sound probably stalkery, but I like to research. I like to research anyone that I, I'm going to interview, and I saw a video no, pop up. Um, it was just a little interview, and in it, you mentioned um, that your nickname is Flower Sniffer Burns, <laughs> and so <laughs> I, and I think that's really cool because you're such a creative person, and you know that in order to really have a full creative life, you have to have a full life supporting that in order to uh, create really fun, beautiful work. 
Um, could you talk a little bit about maybe a story or why you have that nickname and um, if that's just kind of how you operate? That's so funny. I mean, that's, that's, so that's from one of my best friends, Jackie Johnson, and she, uh, she and I do UCB together, and we were twins in this movie called Freak Dance. <laughs> and um, where we just, yeah, she had to imitate everything I did, basically, but um, as if we were these weird Siamese twins. But she, so she's a punk, we call her, well, I call her punctual Patty, because, like, if, she's that friend that if you say, let's meet for coffee at 7, she'll be there exactly at 7. And yes. if, 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 if anything, she'll be there five, she waits five minutes in the car if she's early to wait till so she walks in at seven. And also, <laughs> when it, you know, so she's given me plenty of earfuls about my punctuality and being on time and, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And, um, she saw this, she saw this, um, this like plaque that said, stop and smell the flowers. She's like, oh, old flowers never burns over here talking to everyone she runs into, which is so true. Because <laughs> like, you know, like. If, if I have if I have to meet someone at seven, but I run into someone I haven't seen in a long time, and they're and they're talking, and we have a moment, I'm not going to run away from that person and say I'm going to be somewhere at seven because Absolutely. like I ran into them, and then so it takes me longer to get places these days, and my friends kind of understand. You're just practicing. <laughs> you're just practicing being present. <laughs> exactly. No, it's true. I mean, because I will actually stop and smell the flowers. My mom loves flowers, and. I'll stop and take pictures of them. And I, I literally, like in California, how can you not? Like if I'm going to walk by a beautiful rose, I'm going to smell it. Like literally. That's right. But then, so that's like the literal, inter- I literally do that on my hikes. I literally stop and smell the flowers. <laughs> it's not an exaggeration. But, um, yeah. And then at the, the Television Academy last later night, Jackie came and some of my other friends. And we laughed. The second we got into the upstairs dressing room, they were helping me bring some of my stuff down. And I was, I was like, yep, of course, I'm the last one here. And Jackie goes, oh, flowers never burns over here. Always the last one to leave a party. <laughs> <laughs> it's fabulous. That sounds like a great 1940s name. Flowers sniffer burns. <laughs> oh, flowers never burns. <laughs> That's her. Don't take anywhere too exciting. If you wanted to stay, fo- like, it, it takes me forever to get anywhere sometimes because, you know, I kind of, you know, you have those random tangent You're thoughts. You're so, like, enjoying the journey. Yeah. I, you know. In a weird way, that's all we can do in life, right? We had I had this analogy. I don't even know if you remember, but my college boyfriend was a super smart guy, Harvard Business School, really determined, really um, smart and clear on his path. And I and I was like, I remember like I said when I graduate college, I want to audition for Rockettes. And he's like, What does that mean? Like, well, that means I would move to New York. And he's like, Well, how would we have a relationship? And I was like, Well, I don't know. That's like four years down the line. Who knows? Um, <laughs> But the way I described him was like, you know, you're a horse with your blinders on and you have a very clear path and you follow it. And then you get to this beautiful tree at the top of the mountain. And I was like, I kind of feel like I'm a horse without any blinders on. And I'm going to go drink from that well for a little bit. And then I'm going to go around the corner, this little thing over here. And then, hey, look at these little horses. And then I'm going to eventually get to that tree. It's just going to take me a little bit longer. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> Well, for anybody who's listening, who is now um, a Catherine M. Burns super fan, uh, where can they find you online? Um, well, I, I'm a sucker for those pictures. I love Instagram. Um, my name's Kat M. Burns, as in Marie. Um, and then I try to always hashtag like Cat Burns Choreo. Just, you know, Sweet, so you and that's Cat with a K, right? Yeah, K-A-T-M Burns. Awesome. And that's also my Twitter, but most of my Twitter is just reposting what my Instagram is. <laughs> As it should be, right? Disclosure. And so I'm like terrible trying to say a joke every now and then kind of thing. I love it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Kat. I so appreciate your time. And even when you're sick, it was so kind of you. And I'm super excited to follow your journey and see where it ends up. Oh, man. Thank you so much. This was, this was real awesome. Say goodbye to your little friend. Thanks for listening to Basic Brainheart. I'm not great at farewell, so uh, that'll do, pig. Check back soon for more heart pumping, brain boosting content.